welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. If you'll grab your Bibles and turn, please, to the book of James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And um, we're still working on the spiritual warfare series, and I'm, I'm going to be ministering to you on the subject of running the devil out of your life. How many of you would like to know how to run the devil out of your life? Amen. Amen. Did you know that the Bible teaches us that we have power and authority over the devil, we have power and authority over the enemy, and we can conquer him in the name of Jesus? So what I want to do is I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the way that the enemy, some of the ways the enemy uh, gains entrance into our lives and then what to do about it. And we've been talking a lot about it. But tonight... I want to talk uh, specifically about uh, spirits of strife and division and how to conquer and overcome those things and run the devil out of your life so you're not living in strife and you're not living in division and you're not living in the chaos and the confusion that comes along with those things. So James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 13, the Bible says, Who is there among you? This is the Amplified, by the way. So if you can switch that to Amplified. Uh, Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with the unobtrusive humility which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. Now if I read that in the King James Version, let me read it like this. It says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So let's go ahead and stay in the King James right now. In verse number 14 it says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Verse 16, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So much is happening around us, both in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm. And in the natural realm, things look dire because there many times are spirits of division and strife that the devil has stirring in our lives. And see, here's the thing. If the enemy can keep strife going, then he can stop you from realizing the manifestation of what you're believing God for. Because strife is a weapon against your love. Strife is a weapon against your love. And faith works how? By love, right? Can I get some people talking back to me tonight? Faith works how? By love. love. Faith works by love. And how many of you know that without faith, there can be no manifestation of what we're believing God for? So if our faith isn't working because our love isn't working then there can be no manifestation of what we're believing God for. So the enemy attacks our love life with strife. And he attacks our love life with division. And he attacks our love life with confusion. And his goal is not so much to just keep our emotions all twisted up. His goal is to stop us from from receiving what we're believing God for. And so he knows that the way he does that is to keep things twisted up inside of us. And so he brings strife. Now, I want to go to the Amplified 
And I want to read this in the Amplified in verse number 14. The Bible said, But if you have bitter jealousy, envy, and contention, and then in parentheses it says this, rivalry or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourselves on it and thus be in defiance of and false to the truth. So what it's saying is you don't want to always be in rivalry. You don't always want to be fighting with somebody. You don't always want to have an underlying current of war and distrust and strife and division and confusion and chaos. He says you don't want to do that because bitter jealousy and envy will turn into contention and rivalry and selfish ambition. And some people, you know, they're like, well, bless God, I'm going to get it. And what happens is after a while, instead of feeling bad about it, you start fighting back and then you start taking pride in your position. And when you start taking pride in your position, then what happens is pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so now, instead of love, instead of you working through love, you are now working through pride. See? And it's the oldest trick in the book. I mean, it's what the enemy does. He does these things sometimes. Is he tries to get us all confused and all twisted up in our mind and in our spirit. And we'll say, oh yeah, I love God, I love God. The Bible said, how can you say that you love God if you hate your brother? You know, and so the enemy will work and work and work. And eventually if we don't watch it, then that root gets inside of us. And then it goes on and the Bible says, do not pride yourself on it and be thus in defiance. Uh, of and false to the truth. And then verse 15, this superficial wisdom is not such as comes down from above. In other words, it doesn't come from God, but is earthly, unspiritual, like an animal, and even demonical or devilish. So this defiant spirit, this rivalry, this self-ambition is all from Satan. It all comes from the devil. Strife and division comes from Satan. Strife and division comes from the devil. And then verse 16, the Bible said, For where there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, and rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, and then it goes on and says, rivalry and selfish ambition. So where there's jealousy and envy, then that brings rivalry and selfish ambition, there will be unrest, disharmony, and that eventually will turn into rebellion. And when you become rebellious, you open up your spirit to all sorts of evil and vile practices, like taking pride in your position. So we've got to be careful about those things. We can't allow that spirit of strife and contention and division to come inside of us. Now Jesus addressed a spirit of division, in Mark chapter 3, verses 24 through 25. And um, we'll read that here in the King James Version. Uh, Mark chapter 3, let's all go there. Mark chapter 3, let me get it here on my, on my computer. Mark chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. If the kingdom, if a kingdom... Be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. This is what Jesus said. These are words in red. This is what Jesus said. Let's say this again, okay? 
If a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And then he brings it home and he says, if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. What happens when you're raising children and you have both parents at odds with one another about how to raise those kids? I'll tell you exactly what happens because we have to counsel it all of the time. I'll tell you exactly what happens. That kid learns how to play the parents against one another. And what happens is that kid ends up running the house. Hello. They end up running the house because they know what buttons to push. They know what knobs to turn. In other words, they know what words to say. They know who to go to first, who to go to second, just exactly how to twist a little thing here and twist a little thing there. And before you know it, you're in a house that is divided. And the Bible said if you have a house that is divided, that house cannot stand. That's why it's so important to stay in unity. Listen, we need to protect unity with our life. We need to protect it with our emotions. We need to protect it with our life. We need to protect it with our spirit. Because the Bible tells us in Psalms 133, what does it tell us? And the place of unity is where God commands His blessing, even life forevermore. So you know what that means in reverse? If we're in disunity, then the blessing of God is withdrawn and death takes the place of life. So we've got to protect unity. Satan knows this. He knows that disunity and he knows that, dis, that, that division will cause things to fall apart. So he's constantly working with strife and he's constantly working with chaos and he's constantly working with division to try to divide your life up, to try to get you at odds with one another. So the goal of Satan is always division. And let me tell you something, this is always his goal. It's always his goal. Tell somebody, say, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Satan will try to cause division in your life. He'll try to cause division in your family. He'll try to cause division in your church. And he'll try to cause division in any area of your life that is prosperous. Now listen, or has the potential to one day become prosperous. Because Satan's job is to abort the blessing of God on your life. And he will try to do that. He'll try to abort peace. He'll try to abort, abort healing. He'll try to abort prosperity. He'll try to abort all of these things and he does it through chaos and through strife and through division. We'll say, Pastor, well, what do I do? Just don't participate in the strife. I mean, I've got people, that, and, and I don't say this braggadociously, I'm making a point. I have people today that are so mad at me because I won't fight with them. It takes two people to fight. And if you just take a pass on it and say, I'm sorry, I'm not letting this chaos in my life. I'm not letting this strife in my life. I'm not letting these kinds of things in my life because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that means we're going to have peace and we're going to have health and we're going to have prosperity and we're going to have love and we're going to encourage each other and we're going to lift one another up. Strife, you stay outside that door. Division, you stay outside that door. 
Chaos, you stay outside that door. Confusion, you stay outside that door because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And not only will we serve the Lord, but we will live in the benefit of sonship. We'll live in the benefit of our position. We'll live in the benefit of our identity and we will fight division with everything inside of us and the way we fight it is we just don't participate in it. The book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was building a wall. The Bible said that Sanballat and Tobiah kept coming to him and trying to entice him off of that wall. Come down here. We want to talk to you about what so-and-so said and what so-and-so said. Nehemiah said, I'm sorry, I'm building a wall. I don't have time. I'm not coming down. And finally they gathered armies together and all of these kinds of things. They come and they stood. And it got to the point where Nehemiah and his crew was working, the Bible says, with a trowel in one hand and with a sword in the other. But they still did not quit working on the wall. You know why? Because they made up their mind, we're going to finish what God wanted us to do. We're going to get it. We're going to get this job done, and we're not going to let the enemy come against us and stop us from doing what the Lord wants us to do. Now, Sanballat and Tobiah was constantly trying to pull Nehemiah off that wall to talk to him about rumors that they had heard. Read it in Nehemiah. Everything that they had against Nehemiah was based on a rumor. Everything. And Nehemiah said, I'm sorry. Don't have time for the drama. I'm building a wall. God put a vision inside of me. God put a passion inside of me. God gave me instruction. I'm going to build this wall. And if i got to build it with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, I'll do it. But I'm going to finish what God wants me to do. And I'm not going to let the enemy pull me off task. So what was happening is Nehemiah was letting Sanballat and Tobiah know, I'm not going to participate in your strife. I'm not going to participate in your division. People will find fault with you when you refuse to talk to them. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. You know why they want to talk to you? They want to just try to chew you out. They want to try to put you in your place. Don't give people like that the time of day because it don't matter what you say to them. Listen to me. Strife, this is how strife works. This is how contention works. It doesn't matter what you say to those people. They'll take it and twist it and twist it and twist it and twist it until all of a sudden they're a victim again. You don't need that. You don't need that. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We weren't born again yesterday. Most of us were. We weren't born again yesterday. we got to make up our mind. Listen, I'm building a wall and I can't come down. I'm busy about the work of the Lord. I'm busy about keeping peace in my home. I'm busy about living in harmony. I'm busy about living and enjoying the blessing of the Lord. The Bible said if a house be divided against itself, it cannot stand. And I want my house to stand. So I'm basing my house on the solid rock which is Christ Jesus and if I base myself upon the solid rock in my home upon the rock which is Christ which is the word of God then my home will stand hallelujah now the spirit of division now let me say this the spirit of division and then I'm getting ready to talk to you about about how to really overcome it but the spirit of division is always Always, always in the shadows. The spirit of strife 
is always in the shadows looking for an entrance into your life. Well, why would the devil attack me? Because you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have something he will never be able to have. He is so jealous of the fact that you can be a son of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, that healing power can flow through your veins, that deliverance power can flow through. He is so jealous of those things that he will do anything he can to thwart the move of God in your life. He doesn't want you in prosperity. He doesn't want you in healing. He doesn't want you in health and wholeness. He doesn't want you to live with peace. He doesn't want any of those things in your life because when you do that, those are identity markers to him that Christ lives big in you. And he doesn't want that to happen. And so he, he lurks in the shadows looking for entrance. And all he needs is an opening about that big. your neighbor and say, that big. Well, what does that look like? One wrong conversation. Come on. One thought pattern that you let run wild. The Bible said we're supposed to bring our thoughts into obedience to Christ. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, if there be any good report, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue or power, the Bible said, think on these things. That is an on-purpose statement. In other words, when the enemy comes in with bad thoughts, I'm preaching to myself just like I'm preaching to you right now, but when the enemy comes in with a bad thought, instead of letting your mind go buck wild and crazy... What you need to do is you need to bring your thought back into submission to the Word of God and you need to start just quoting Scripture. Listen, the devil can't run wild in your mind if the Word of God is flying out your mouth. I said the devil can't run wild in your mind if the Word of God is flying out your mouth. And that's how we overcome the enemy. That's how we overcome spirits of strife and and division and confusion and chaos. That's how we overcome these things. Now... I want to encourage you in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're getting ready to go there, but in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 27, the Bible teaches us that we are to never ever let our guard down. So how do I run the devil out of my life? Well, to begin with, you start denying him entrance. I said you start denying him entrance. We're going to do this in the Amplified. You start denying him entrance. How do I, and I'm going to show you what that means here in just a few moments. But you deny him entrance by putting up a guard, by running him out of your life and putting up a guard. And when he comes knocking on the door, you just don't answer the door. How many times have I told you that the only offense that is effective is the offense that is taken? Just don't take it. Deny it and say, I'm sorry. I think I'll just turn down that offense. I'm not interested in being offended today, so I'm going to turn down that offense and I'm going to live in the peace and the grace and the love and the joy of the Lord. 
Because this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to live this day not rejoicing and being glad in the Lord. I'm not going to live this day all down and in the molly grubs and all beat up and think, no, no, no. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Can you say that with me? Come on, let's say it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will and be Amen. See there, you're a preacher now. Amen. So, let's talk about this. Let's talk about putting our guard up. How do I build a guard? How do I put it up? First of all, we strip ourselves of our former nature. We put off and discard our old unrenewed self, which is characterized by our previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through the lust and the desires that spring forth from Delusion. What do you mean by springing forth from delusion? What do you mean by that? The devil will tell you, you know what? You just need to go down to the bar and get yourself drunk. That'll solve all your problems. Delusion. Delusion. Well, I'll tell you what. If you just go find that person and pound them into the ground, that's what they need and that would just solve everything. Delusion from behind bars. Delusion. Delusion. Well, I think I just need to get myself a little something to help me, you know, a little drug, a little medical help, you know, some, a little drug or something like that that I get off the street over here, you know, maybe, maybe a little wacky tobacco or something like that. It'll, it'll make me feel a little bit better. I mean, after all, I mean, God, God made the plant, so I might as well be able to smoke it. I mean, you know, God must have wanted me to have marijuana because he grew the plant. Delusion. 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 It's delusion. And, and that's your old unrenewed self coming out. That's your old unsanctified self. Sanctified means set apart for holy purpose. And God says that when we give our life to Him, that He will, he, he will do a work in us that will set us aside for a holy purpose in His life. That's called sanctif- in our life. And that's called sanctification. And, and when, we, when we become deluded or, or delusion, de- delusional like that, then that unsanctified self tries to surface. And then it goes on and it says we're supposed to strip ourselves, that's right, of former nature and then we're to be constantly renewed in the spirit of our mind which means that we are to have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Putting on a good attitude in the morning, a spiritual attitude, putting on the right mentality should be just as natural as getting up and putting on our clothes every day. You need to make a choice. You know what? I might have got up not feeling real good today, but I'm going to serve the Lord anyway, and before this day is over, I'm going to laugh, and I'm going to enjoy myself, and I'm going to have myself a good day. And, and what you're doing is you, you're saying, I'm going to have a fresh mental and spiritual. Well, how can my, my, my attitude become more spiritual? I, I think it's amazing that that same thing, having a fresh mental and a spiritual attitude is all in the same phrase. How come you think it's like, how come you think that's amazing, Pastor? Let me explain that. It's because the Bible says, His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You can open up the Word of God and you can read the Word of God 
and it becomes food to your spiritual man and it becomes water to your parched soul. And if you do that every day, there is a freshness that comes with the presence of God that makes you feel like, hey, wait a minute, this is a brand new day. And then you realize this feeling came from God and so it becomes fresh and it becomes spiritual. Then how, can, how come things can be fresh with God? Because He's the Creator. He is the Creator. Now, let's continue on here. And then the Bible said, and put on, so we're constantly renewed in the spirit of our mind. And then we put on the new nature, the regenerate self, which is created in God's image, making us God-like, not God, but like, you know, clo- close to like God. We're God's Son, okay? And then it goes on and explains what that means in true righteousness and holiness. So in other words, we become made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which results in, are you ready for this? Holy living. Holy living. Not enough teaching about this today. There's not enough teaching about holy living. There's not enough teaching about being made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If I'm going to guard myself, then I'm going to have to strip myself of my former nature... I'm going to have to constantly be renewed in the spirit of my mind. And this verse says, I have to put on the new nature which is created in God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, those are the things that we put on. Now there are some things that we need to take off because light and darkness cannot reside together. Light always drives away the dark. Oil and water do not mix. So let's go to, ne- to that next verse there, Julia. Let's go to that next verse where the Bible says, Therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done now with it, let everyone express the truth with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one body and members one of another. So what this scripture is teaching us is that we live in purity and honesty. You're not going to let the devil gain entrance into your life. You're going to put your guard up. One of the layers of that guard, one of the layers on the wall of that guard is purity and honesty. And the Bible said that we not only are honest, but we reject falsity. So that means I'm not going to listen to the devil lie to me anymore. I'm not going to let him tell me you know who you are. You, you know, others might think you, you know, they know who you are, but I know who you are and you know who you are because we remember when, don't we? Here's what we got to do. We got to tell the devil, listen, let me tell you something. You might remember when and I might remember when. What you're remembering is my failures and what I'm remembering is the cross. And when you tell the devil, I'm remembering the cross, I'm remembering the blood, I'm living in the freedom that Calvary provided, and you start claiming the blood of Jesus over your life, and you start declaring the name of Jesus, and you start declaring the Word of God, then you're rejecting the falsity of the enemy, and you're not letting the devil beat you down anymore. There will be people that have known you forever that will come into your life and they'll have a preconceived idea of who you are and how you are and and where you're going. And they'll have that preconceived idea because they know the old man. But they need to get acquainted with the new man. And you need to let them know, I'm not bound by the failures of my past. 
by the times I fell down. You focus on when I fell down, but I focus on when I got back up. You see the glass half empty. I see it half full. God sees it half full. God sees the times when when we got back up. So I'm going to reject the falsity. I'm going to be done with it. I'm not going to pay attention to the lies of the enemy. I'm not going to pay attention to negativity around me. I'm not going to pay attention to the people that try to pull me down. But what I'm going to do, I'm I'm going to let everyone express the truth with his neighbor for we're all parts of one body and members one of another. And let me tell you something. The truth is not the truth unless it's wrapped in the Word of God. So when someone says, well, I'm just telling you the truth, this is right, 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 you just need to accept it. You need to say, well, where's the Word of God attached to that statement? Because, see, we're Word people. We're Christians. We're Christians. We're Christians. We live. We live by the law of God. We are Christians. That means we have Christ inside of us. He has recreated us. He has put the image of God inside of us in righteousness and in true holiness and and the nature of God is inside of us and He's regenerating us every single day. And the God in me rejects the lies of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know, I know, I can't keep going tonight very much longer, but I feel like I could go two hours tonight. I know that's dangerous. Verse number 26. Verse number 26 says this. When angry, don't sin. When angry, don't sin. King James says be angry and sin not. When angry, don't sin. I want to ask you a question. Do you see in that scripture anywhere where it says that it's sin to be angry? It's not a sin to be angry. God wired us to recognize injustice. He wired us for something to come up inside of us and say, wait a minute, that ain't right. Okay? What you do with it determines whether it's sin. You can allow that righteous indignation, you can let that anger turn into righteous indignation And you can become a warrior for good with that. Or you can let it eat you up and destroy you. It's like a sword. You can use a sword to slay the enemy or to fall on it and kill yourself. And that's the difference. Be angry and sin not. So in other words, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong to be angry. Now, I do believe that the Bible teaches in a roundabout, indirect way that it's wrong to stay angry. I don't think we should live in rage. and we should. But, there, but God wired us to be able to have a reaction to injustice when we see it. Now, don't be going out here and something happened and all of a sudden you get all upset and start cussing a blue streak and then stop and say, well, the pastor said that was all right because... <laughs> No, 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 don't be doing that because, you know, you're supposed to be angry and sin not. And then the Bible said don't let your, don't ever let your wrath or your exasperation or your fury or your indignation last until the sun goes down. And in the King James Version it says don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Did you hear about the husband and the wife that was having a battle? Dr. John's heard it, that's why he's laughing because he's a counselor. 
and we, and we hear this in counseling. But did you hear about the husband and the wife that were fighting? And the wife looked at the husband and said, the Bible says that you're not supposed to let the sun go down on your wrath. So he stayed up all night long. <laughs> you can't go to bed until we make up. He stayed up all night long. So don't ever let your wrath, your aspiration, your fury or indignation uh, last until the sun goes down. And then in verse number 27, it says this. It says this. And, 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 it, and it's talking about, you know, not letting falsivity and rejecting falsivity. It's talking about being angry and sinning not. And it's talking about how that we're supposed to strip ourselves of our former nature and be constantly renewed in the spirit of our mind and put on the new nature, all of these kinds of things. And then in verse number 27, it sums it up where it says, Leave... No such room or foothold for the devil or give no opportunity to him. Can you touch your neighbor and say, guard yourself? Guard yourself. This is how you run the devil out of your life. Listen, there's one more scripture we're going to go to here in just a few moments. But this is how you run the devil out of your life. If you kept going over to someone's house and every time you knocked on the door, they opened the door and said, we really don't want you here and shut the door, how, much, how many times would you have to go to that house before you finally quit going to that house? That's right, Bill, once. That's me. Once. Because I don't have time for that kind of foolishness. But... But the, thing, the point that I'm trying to make, do that to the devil. Do that to the devil. Put up your guard. Don't give him any room. No, don't give him a foothold. Don't give him any opportunity at all. Every time something comes into your mind that you know is contrary to Scripture and you'll know it if you're spending time with the Lord because your spirit will go off. It'll be like, it'll reject it. And anytime the enemy comes against you, if, if he just keeps running into a closed door or a blocked wall or he gets getting, keep getting pounded on the head with the Word of God, the enemy's going to finally leave you alone. He's going to say, you know, I'm used to attacking weak Christians. Remember a couple of Sundays ago when I made that statement put it up there? I said, the enemy said, wait a minute. You know, I had Marcus up here, you know, big muscles. Down, and the enemy said, wait a minute. I'm used to attacking weak Christians. So the enemy will go and he'll focus on people that are a little more weak because he realizes that he don't stand a chance against someone who has the revelation of their identity and who they are in God. And not only do we know who we are in God, but we know who He is and we know what kind of authority He has and we know what kind of power He has and we know that He's not going to be defeated. We know He already has been defeated. Praise God. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah. Copeland put it like this. Strife is so dangerous. It's like having a room full of rattlesnakes and trying to walk through them without ever being bitten. You can't do it. You can't do it. Division is the same way. So John chapter 5 verses 4 through 5 is the last passage that we're going to go to here tonight. John chapter 5. Y'all getting anything out of this? I know y'all are because I see lights going on all over everywhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. Word of God is so good, isn't it? Man, oh man. Mm. John chapter 5 verses 
four through. I wouldn't go to a church that didn't teach the word. It'd just be an exercise in futility for me. I'm so addicted to the word of God. If I if I go to church and I go away feeling like man, you know, I mean, I didn't get no word at all. I I, I don't go back. You know, I mean, I, I want to be where there's word. All right, John. Hang on just a minute. Let me check something out here. All right. Sorry, 1 John. 1 John, chapter 5. Instead of St. John, it's 1 John. 1 John, chapter 5. I looked at that real quick and I thought that ain't the scripture I read earlier today. 1 John chapter 5, toward the end of your Bible. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. All right, verse number 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Say it with me, even our faith. Not St. John, Julia, 1 John. 1 John. Verse number 5 says, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? We overcome strife and division and chaos and confusion in our life by allowing the Word of God to gain entrance into our soul. The soul is the seat of our mind and our will and our emotions. And the way that we allow the Word of God to enter into our soul is we open up the gates to our soul, which is our eyes and our ears and our mouth. We put the Word of God in front of us. We put the Word of God in our ears and we allow the Word of God to come out of our mouth. That way we are living, get this, in the atmosphere of the Word. We're living in the atmosphere of the Word. Now let me say this because I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to say it. I know that there are all kinds of Christian television stations out there which means there's all kinds of preachers on those Christian television stations. Not everybody that gets up and preaches on Christian television is preaching you the Word of God. That's why the Bible said that we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. If you're just feasting on what someone else is saying, then eventually you're going to fall into doctrinal error and spiritually die. So what you have to do, and I encourage people to do this around here all of the time, what I teach you, you go home, you get in the Word of God, you see if the Word of God... I, I mean, I will never teach you anything in error on purpose. But there are times when you've been doing it as long as I have, that you make a mistake every now and then, and every now and then I'll get a little email and say, Pastor, and then I'll get up here and say, Whoops! I've done it since I've pastored here. Two or three times. 
And all two or three times was Dr. John's fault. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I just saw a chance to, to tease him. But we overcome by allowing the Word in through our eyes, through our ears, and through our mouth. Now, verse number 4. Now, I'm, I'm going to read this again, and I'm going to try to just say just a few things about it. Because I have literally preached series of messages on this one verse. Whatever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. If you want to overcome the world, if you want to overcome Satan, if you want to overcome strife, envy, confusion, bitterness, jelly, all, je- yeah, jelly, jealousy, all the works of the enemy, if you want to overcome those things, then instead of focusing attention on those things, take that energy and get yourself a doctorate in faith. Grow in faith. Focus on faith. Learn faith. Learn what faith is. Learn how to operate faith. Learn how to receive what faith has for you and and, and what faith can do for you. Don't put your faith and your trust in faith. Put your faith and your trust in the Word of God. But for goodness sakes, learn faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. If I want to be an overcomer, then what gives me victory and what is actually the victory over the world is faith. Now, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is. Or that could have just as easily been translated as faith is now. Which means that faith is in the present tense. Here we go. we got to stop this. But, but faith is in the present tense. So in other words, if I'm going to have the God kind of faith, then I'm going to have the now kind of faith. Because God's faith is not in the past and it's not in the future. It always operates in the present. That's why the Bible said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God which is the imperfect tense which means a continuous action so you don't necessarily build faith to a certain level and then it drop and certain level and it drop. No, you just get immersed in the word of God and when you get immersed in the word of God then whatever whatever, uh, level of faith that that challenge requires is available to you because you're doing your due diligence and staying in the word. And so you stay in the Word of God. Now, there are different levels of faith. The Bible talks about little faith, and the Bible talks about great faith, and the Bible talks about no faith. I mean, I said I'm not going to get into this, okay. But anyways, if you want to overcome the world, work on your faith. Learn faith. Build. Now, now listen, here's my last statement on this sheet tonight. Build your faith. You can run the devil out of You want to know how to run the devil out of your life? Build your faith. Build your faith. It'll get to the point where where you'll just be too much hassle for the devil. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I want to be too much hassle for the devil. Hallelujah. 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 I think it's about time that we quit getting fought by the devil and we start putting him in his place. Hallelujah. Why are, you, why are you teaching all this spiritual warfare stuff, Pastor? Because I tell you what, I'm sick and tired of God's church and the people in God's church 
living underneath their, their sonship privileges. We can, we, can have, we can have the blessing of God in our life. We can have the favor of God in our life. And the enemy wants to bind us by our circumstances. But let me tell you something. I found out a long time ago, my circumstances does not determine what the Word is. And if I work the Word long enough, then my circumstances will be forced to come in line to what the Word says. You might not be living the life that you want to live right now, but if you work the Word long enough, it'll happen because the Word will work if you work the Word. Hallelujah. <laughs> we've been asking y'all, now let me give you an example and I'm closing, but we've been, we've been asking y'all to help us with the parsonage. Okay? And thankfully you guys have been doing that. And I knew you would step up if we asked. I knew you would do that. I knew you would. Um, but here's the thing. We got ready to start working on that parsonage and my kids looked at me and they said, Dad, what are we going to do? We don't have a dime to work on it. I said, you start where you are. I said, it don't cost any money at all to scrape popcorn off of the ceilings. And so we went over there without the first dime given and started scraping popcorn. I, excuse me, I should rephrase this because my kids will correct me later. They went over there. <laughs> before the first dime was ever raised and started scraping popcorn off the ceilings. We're standing there in the kitchen today and Marissa's in there. And she said, I can't wait to see those cabinets. I said, it's going to be wonderful to see them, isn't it? She said, well, how are we doing with the money towards them? I said, to be frankly honest with you, we don't have any money for cabinets right now. And she said, oh, wow. I said, what do you mean, oh, wow? I said, I say, oh, wow, too. I said, because it's going to be pretty awesome seeing how God's going to do this by August the 10th or August the 15th. And she said, oh yeah, like that. And I told her, I said, listen, I've lived long enough. I said, I don't doubt it for a minute. God is a great, big, wonderful God who will... And let me tell you something. Cabinets is nothing compared to a new sanctuary. <laughs> Whoa, hallelujah. I was walking on that property today. I had, we had some friends down from Cincinnati. And they wanted to see the property. And he's been to Jamaica with me and done construction teams in our churches and things for several years. We've known him. And so we're walking on this property over there. And we're just going back there. And we're going back just like almost everybody. They said, well, my goodness, how far back does this go? I said, see that pink thing right back there? I said, we won't walk all the way back there, but that's where it goes. He said, oh, my goodness. He said, what are you going to build her? I said, oh, it'll be 110, 120 foot wide and probably about 140, 160 foot long and things like that. He said, Wow. Wow. He's like, what's it going to cost? Who cares? They're God's bills. It's going to be amazing. People are going to say, and, and we've, had, we've had people tell us since we've been here, the way the church has grown and things, we've had people going out telling them what the church is doing, especially the first three years or so, and we was getting reports back like, well, that church can't hold that many people, so I know that's not true. And then they come and they're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I mean, God can do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. <laughs> Woo, and I have a wild imagination. <laughs> ask or think according to the power that works inside of us. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, I'm going to believe God for something extraordinary. Tell them that. Tell them, say, I'm going to believe God for something huge. Hallelujah. Be excited. This faith walk is exciting. Let's stand.
Come on. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.